Christine, we're back. We are, man. I feel like we got this thing rolling right now. Yeah. Have you heard the news? Uh, I've heard a lot of news. What what news are you referring to? The Savannah Bananas are coming to town again. Oh, that's awesome. I'm they announced now. it today. Yeah, February. I might be missing the district final. I might. I, I just, if I, I get to it, it, I got might throw the game or something. Is but it going to be that Saturday? It's three days. It's thir- oh. I think it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't know, but Beautiful. it's a lottery. Their website crashed. I was trying to get on before we got on the show. and So we're going to have uh, the Royal Rumble in January and the Savannah Bananas, Bananas in February. That's fantastic. Yeah, I don't, yeah, and we're gonna have some basketball too. But uh, <laughs> tonight's guest is awesome. I, I stumbled upon his stuff many years ago when he he started a website called Pick and Pop, and it was almost a thesaurus of just anything you wanted to know: conditioning drills, X and O's, book recommendations, podcast recommendations. As they were getting popular. Uh, we have, uh, but he's also a college assistant. We have with us tonight uh, Zach Bover. Uh, Zach's currently at, at George Washington University in the Atlantic 10. He He's had a few stops along the way in his career, including Indiana State, uh, Army West Point, Maine, Fairleigh Dickinson, Iona. He started at Fordham as an undergrad and was a manager there. And, and it's pretty cool. This is, uh, he's the second guy we've had, like ranked guy. Like he's right. been, he's been ranked. Like we had uh, Adam Demong on, and he was top one hundred influence or influential players in in the college basketball world. But now we have a top seventy five rising star in college basketball, and uh, we are pretty pumped to have him. Uh, Coach Bovere, how are you tonight? Good man. I, I, I one of my favorite things to do talk ball with coaches and, and kind of just. I love it's one of my favorite things. And uh, I'm impressed uh, a guy in Tampa, Florida got that French Canadian name right. Eh? So I'm very, <laughs> I'm very impressed. Shirts might help you with that one. I don't know. I, I think in his, in our talk, I had, I had it written down and then I practiced it all day after you called me yesterday, called me back <laughs> and you introduce yourself. I'm like, good. Okay. Write that down. Cause I, I don't want to mess <laughs> that up. But so real quick, before we get into the main question, like I tried to get on pick today. What was going on? It was, it was down. Are we just Twitter based now? It, yeah. Just Twitter based. You know, I, I ran into some trouble uh, with just updating some of the software about, four years ago and so that slowed me down with updating it every day and, and honestly it was taking a tremendous toll um and i just kind of I, I love doing it i really did i, I loved interacting with coaches i love being a resource for coaches but ultimately i kind of I, I i just it, it I, I wanted to be efficient with it and i kind of shifted towards uh a twitter though maybe at some point i'll get it back up and going I, i'd love to because i really truly enjoy doing it. it made me better and i and i wanted to get it was a chance for me to give back to the game and give back you did so let's go ahead and get started how are you wired coach uh i'm wired by I, I every day I wake up and and coach the game I love and I'm I'm able to impact uh I'm impact able to impact young lives through the game of basketball and um able to create a network and create a life for myself based on that round orange ball and, and something I you know I fell in love with back when I was a young boy and and it's it's provided a living for me it's provided friends all over the globe and uh you know I, I don't lose sight of that I really don't. Try not to, at least. 
Yeah. When you, you kind of started the pick and pop and you were a giver, I mean, you're having mm-hmm. these resources. Uh, was, was that an influence on your life from someone else that was also that way to you? Or you know, who were some of the influences on you? Yeah, I mean, I think every one of us is – I think one the reason why we coach is at some point we were impacted um, by a great coach, and I, I really believe that. And I think for me, like I think back to even my grade school coaches, my middle school coaches, my high school coaches, is they made me feel a way about myself. And, I, you know, even subconsciously I said, I'd love to be able to do that for someone else. Um, and then in terms of, you know, in terms of the giving was, you know, I – I was a manager at Fordham university and I kind of quickly realized I don't know anything. <laughs> and I had, my dad had passed along this, uh, ferocious appetite for reading and learning. And I just started reading and learning and started checking websites and started downloading clinic notes, buying DVDs, championship production. And like, there were some blogs that were doing it. And there were, you know, Eric Musselman, Eric Musselman's blog, uh, Bob Walsh's blog, who I ended up working for at University of Maine. And Bob was the kind of guy that was like, hey, man, like you should kind of do this. You have this passion. And I just started, you know, keeping clinic notes. And I was always very organized with trying to keep my I had these marble notebooks. And they're actually up in my parents' uh, house, my childhood bedroom now up in Maine. And I I, I would literally walk around with uh, my, my college friends would always make fun of me. I walked around with uh, court diagrams. A pair of scissors and a glue stick. And if I saw a set I liked, I would cut it out and I'd play arts and crafts <laughs> and paste it in there. And then these marble notebooks that would get so thick because of they were of the pages added to it. And so, you know, honestly, pick and pop was a way to kind of digitize that and, and give back in a more of a organized manner to coaches. And it's so cool um, when I'll be in a gym and someone will write will reference something they picked up from my site or something they picked up from my Twitter. Hey, I ran a baseline out. You, you know, you had, uh, you know, that you had posted and, and it won us a region championship. There's nothing better in the world. So uh, that's awesome. I, that, that's, that's honestly one of my favorite things. I'll tell you every year I got, I go through what, and I learned it from Seth Kramer is called food for thought. I, I always had these files of food for thought and book notes from these different people and and it's in a box now and it keeps it's in drawers and i go through every year and i was like man i just i gotta get rid of this stuff when's the last time i referenced this you know it's just and it's just you reach out to people and like hey uh uh, do you work out with your coaches like how what kind of stuff do you do with your with your grown-ups or or and those kind of things you get all from the strength coach the university of florida Mm -hmm. or notes from something billy donovan did or something that Jay Wright did or Rick Patino or the free throw doctor. I remember that there was a sports illustrator with a free throw doctor. And I yeah. still have that article. It's, it's, it's nuts. And I remember sitting in college in 1994, you know, reading that article, like, all right, I need to go work on my free throws. Like this guy does. So, and anybody that hasn't done, if they go on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. So today I was taking a walk and I was scrolling through looking at your podcast list. Cause you, every so often say these are the podcasts I'm listening to. One time I was going to put on there and I think I did. That's why I reached out to you. It was like, Hey, check out, how are you wired? And mm-hmm. I was going to say with Josh shirts, but I, we hadn't gotten it out yet. But today what was crazy. I was looking for that podcast link of the play callers. I think it was. Yep. And I, and God, you had so much stuff on there. It was so awesome. It was so cool. So you're a learner, obviously. Lifelong. Do you have, I don't know. Can you maybe rank how you consume? Is it books? Is it magazines? Is it 
what like podcasts can you rank kind of how you consume things i mean I, yeah I, I could and i'm one of those guys where i'm, I'm naturally curious and that's where like sometimes people will call me and ask about like hey how do you do this how do you and i would say like hey, man this is a disease <laughs> like i like I, i'm just i'm and i truly love it if it felt like work i, I wouldn't do it if it feels like work if you're not I don't think you can really be great at something if you're not maniacal about it. So to answer your question, yes. Like, I mean, the podcast that I, I listen to many, I got these things stuck in my ear all the time. Uh, I live in the most walkable city in the world, uh, Washington, D.C. I walk to work every day. I walk past the Jefferson Memorial, uh, the Lincoln, the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial and the White House every day on my walk to work. So in Lucia, I got a podcast going as I do that. So. I mean, podcasts are fantastic. And, uh, you know, the magazines articles are, are things, you know, back in the old magazines, they believe it or not. That's how I got started. My dad, who kind of I blame a lot of this on him because, you know, he was he kind of pushed me into it in terms of encouraging me to chase it. But, you know, I subscribe to every single magazine, Sports Illustrated, Slam, Sporting News, Sport, like ESPN, the magazine, every single one. Uh you know, but also synergy and, and being able to watch videos on YouTube, being able to watch stuff that are po is posted. That's great. But, you know, honestly, one of my favorite things is go watch a practice, go watch a high school, go watch a good high school basketball practice, go, go to a local college and watch that. And so there's so many different ways to learn. But I think an important thing is, and I would say this uh, to people as they try to process this information is trying to work back to, uh, I think two things can really help. One, how does this fit my team, my program, my coaching style? And then uh, a big thing would be to say, once you're done taking in something, whatever it is, it be it a practice, be it an article, be it a, you know, what is the one thing I take away from that? And I think that's a very important concept about what is the one big takeaway I have from that? And you might say, well, heck, that's a hell of an article. Can I take away more than one? Well, sure. But just so you know, if your hit rate was one big idea per, you know, experience per, you know, you'd be really better by the end of the day and certainly by the end of the month, certainly by the end of the year. And so those are questions I would ask. And, and even a way uh, of doing that is uh, something I picked up on. It's called the Cornell, uh, Cornell method of note taking that I really like is. Anytime I'm taking notes on all my, on all, I, I flip that page. What I do is I, I draw a line down uh, about three quarters uh, of the way, uh, three quarters over. So I kind of split it where three quarters of the page is going, and then I draw a line straight down. And I'm taking my notes on the on the bigger part, and I'm writing those notes down. And on the right side is anytime I want to circle back to something or, or oh that's really good, I'll kind of go over and I'll write something like hey. Um, like I, I got a chance yesterday to go to the uh, and we were talking. I was at the I was at the Charlotte Hornets practice and I'm listening to Steve Clifford talk and, and man, that dude is a coach's coach, the very definition of it. And but as he's talking, I'm writing down stuff he's talking about. I'm writing down stuff they're doing. But on the far right was stuff that I really want to take away or maybe something, a point that applied to my program yesterday. Or, hey, one, one thing that just my biggest takeaway watching Steve Clifford run a film session was um man did that guy know his clips like all uh, uh it was it was rehearsed it was memorized he knew what happened on this clip he wasn't waiting for it he knew it and he knew his talking points he knew his pause points he knew the questions he wanted to ask his players so i'm writing that down on the right side as i go where i'm writing down everything else on the left side was kind of more of the information but the right side with the big points i want to take away
Listen, all the educators listening are are pumped. You're talking about Cornell notes. I mean, I love it. I mean, that's yeah. that's 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 money. I'm just a Fordham grad now, so I I, I, I didn't I, go there, but I, right. at least I stole it from them. Right, I love it. You, you kind of mentioned it about like you know you can get overwhelmed with podcasts and and coaching clinics and all these things, and you kind of said you kind of got to know yourself. Like, yeah. How do you do that though? When, when, where did you find yourself? Like, where did you get your niche? Like, where did, when did that happen? Where did that happen for you? I mean, one, I'm probably the wrong guy to ask because, like, you, the whole idea more or less is more is, right. is probably, I'm still on that path. And honestly, it's part, it's, it's because I love to learn. I truly love right. that experience. I love the experience. So maybe I'm not the right guy to answer this. I think that question of how does this fit who I am, who, you know, what my program is, that's an important one to ask. But I think so much of it is just through your natural experiences and, and through you learning, you know, learning yourself as a coach and you being able to, you know, self-reflect um, and that that's such an important part of being able to kind of find your style, not try to be someone you're not. And then also I'll say this, and this is tough, is it's harder to do as an assistant than a head coach because ultimately as an assistant, one, you're not quite getting the amount of reps that you would be as a head coach. And two, you then also you have to make sure you're doing a good job as an assistant and molding yourself to what your head coach wants. Um, so I, I I think as a head coach, it's maybe a little bit easier. I'm always I'll even talk to guys that uh, buddies of mine who are like head coaches at, at maybe a lower level, maybe high school at a young age, and I'm so jealous because like the reps they get. And a buddy of mine always says like he's like, man, I was so bad my first year, and no one noticed. Mm -hmm. But I right. found my I found my I found my style. I found my niche, and, and it, I was able to craft that a little bit. So ultimately, I think that's through experience, but also tremendously important part of that is the self reflection after the fact. Is going back and saying, "All right, what worked? What didn't work? What can I, you know?" And, and just being honest with yourself, and and also talking to your players, to asking them, you know, "Hey, you know, give me feedback. What can I do better? What you know, what works? What works in our program? What doesn't?" That's such an important part as well. Oh boy! Can you imagine some of the coaches asking player feedback? They that would <laughs> scare it, 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 the sometimes it's painful. You open that them. Pandora's box open, you yeah. open that up, and man, you you, you know you got to be ready for what what they say back. Mm -hmm. um, but those are tremendous, and I think a really important one is uh, do it when their playing career is done, and they're a little bit they're a little bit uh, they are a little bit more prone to unload a little bit and say you know. And those are those are good conversations, and I'll tell you this: it's not always fun to hear. Right? Yeah, but it's it's stuff that can help you grow. Yeah, I I, I mean I say that all the time. Like I I kind of regret how I was able like some of my better players. I think I failed them at, at times because I was constantly growing and learning. And I'm like, man, if I had those guys as the coach I am now, <laughs> we we might have gone somewhere. But it's kind of the the process. It, it it's totally understand and. The kid, it's great when they come back. One's now my JV coach, and, and you're like, and he's like, man, I wish you would have coached us like this back then. It's like, I know, I know, I'm trying. I um, love. I, I still. We had a great post player at Army. He graduated uh, uh, 2020. Yeah, uh, his senior year was cut off by the pandemic. And uh, the other day, I was watching a set play, and I said to myself out loud, "I'm just sitting in the back of my office." So this is he graduated in 2020. I said to myself, "I said, I said, man, why didn't we run that for Wilson?" And I'm like. Zach, he's been gone for three years. Put it away. Like I'm beating myself up, saying we should, we could have run that. Wilson could have gotten a bucket or two on that play, and uh, that's the fun stuff. But you mentioned uh, you mentioned about um, 
that's how you know when you're doing it right is when uh guys come back guys call um coach a young man at army west point who's 20 times the leader i'll ever be and he called me yesterday he shot me a text yesterday he said hey can i call i got a quick question and you know it's really cool because he's he was calling asking a question about leading his unit in the mm-hmm. army and he's talking about my advice and he was talking about you know i shared a couple things that you would you know that you say that you had said and i was like man that's so cool and he's like hey you know i get this situation going on how would you deal with it and man like he doesn't realize but like he just made my day with that call that's what this podcast's about it's the phone calls you make and the conversations you have about different situations and that's why we're trying to just that's what that's all that's what this whole thing is is we're using basketball we're using a you know we're using a medium uh, the basketball is a medium to teach, you know, bigger pieces, bigger parts of life, bigger, bigger life lessons. That's the fun part of it. Um, you know, there was a great high school coach in Maine who he had like a Bob Knight level obsession with a, with a pump fake. And uh, he was always obsessed with pump fakes and always obsessed with catching and pump faking. And, you know, he was obsessed with it. And uh, when he retired, there was a great ceremony for him. And we're all there and, uh, I'm doing my impersonation of his obsession with the pump fake. And he gets up and he says, uh, you know, and this is honestly one of the, like, it literally, it's one of my favorite stories. And he says, uh, well, you guys don't realize I pump faked all of you. And he says, a pump fake on the court is you want to make the defense think you're doing one thing and doing another. You want to fake a shot to drive it. You want to fake a, you know, fake a shot to pass it. He goes, I pump faked you guys the whole time. You thought I was talking about basketball. I was talking about life, man. I pump fake mm. you guys. And I was like, mm. ah, like I'll never, I'll never forget that, you know, so well articulated. So mm-hmm. um he pump he pump faked me. He thought I he thought he was talking about um getting to helpline when in reality he was talking about accountability. And that's you know, Mike, you know, Mike Shevsky says uh, you know, West Point is the preeminent leadership institution in the entire world. He spent four years there, he said, but my you know, the best leadership uh class I ever took at West Point or in the army was Bob Knight's class every day at three 30. Like you want to talk about accountability. You want to talk about leadership. You want to talk about every hard work, all that stuff. It was there. And that's what coaches do. And, and I would say that to high school coaches, I'm here because I had great high school coaches. And I, I always say that to high school coaches, don't lose sight of the number of people that you impact. And, and frankly, because as a college coach, you impact 13, you know, you're limited to that number of scholarships. Whereas a high school coaches impact and, you know, three different teams and also at a younger stage where they can really steer that person and change that guy's uh, mindset, that guy or girl's mindset. And I, I would say as high school coaches understand why I'm here right now is because of great high school coaches be that impact. And even, and even as high school coach, you're, you're also in the classroom too. So it might not even be a kid that you coach it might be someone you interact with in your home room or, or in your classroom. There's nothing better than going out in the neighborhood and you hear coach, and they got a smile on their face and they come in and and to be honest with you i I forget majority of their names you know (laughs) i see them like hey how you doing good to see you you know all right you know but they're yeah you're absolutely right and uh you know i I hope i hope our my comrades aren't losing sight of that because it it does mean a lot and it's it's a great point they probably uh they probably don't know your name either, but you have the colloquial right. coach term. Exactly. You, know, you can't necessarily call yeah. him a player. How are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's talk some hoops. Um, let's talk. Uh, what do you think your strengths and weaknesses are as a, as a coach? 
Um, strengths are, you know, one always evolving, but I think, uh, my, the experience I've had working with some really good coaches and how they, um, saw the game as a game of decisions and saw the game, uh, as how can, as coaches, can we, um, help players with their decisions and try to, uh, improve their decisions and with an understanding that, before any skill is executed, a decision is made, and then you. So there's there's things that this this decision comes first, and then the skill, and um, you know being able to work both of those. Um, that's something that I think um, just because of my experience working with great coaches, um, I it's something that I've I hope I've been able to develop along the way, and I feel myself getting better in that. Um, I think my eyes naturally drift towards uh, seeing the game from an offensive standpoint. Um, and so, you know, you know, being able to, uh, you know, see the game through that lens, uh, is, is something that I, you know, I've always tried to, um, now it, I think it's important to be able to see it both and the ability to see all 10 is something I'm constantly trying to work at. And it's something that I would say I'd encourage coaches to try to improve their ability to see all 10 players on the floor and be able to see everything that's interacting because your eyes will naturally drift to the ball. you got to constantly work to kind of push that out and be able to see all 10 of those. Um, I have tremendous passion for the game. Um, I think that can be your, you know, your, your strength and your weakness um, your, or your greatest strength can be at times your greatest weakness. Um and I, I think you, you know, I constantly need to uh, modulate that passion to not get too uh, excited. Um, and uh, so, you know, those are those are things that um, I see, you know, that are that I see myself developing right now. And I've had the fortune; I've worked for great bosses at the college level. And I'll say this: they've given me a chance to coach, in which isn't the case throughout college, Division One college basketball at times. Case of you know, oftentimes it's hey, you recruit. The head coach coaches, but I've worked, I've been able to work for, you know, a number of coaches that have given me a chance to coach and really find my way a little bit with, uh, with, you know, with learning, uh, with kind of with learning my method and kind of, you know, carving that, crafting that a little bit. Yeah. I was going to ask, were you ever on a staff where you felt like your strengths weren't being utilized, but you kind of answered that, but you know, what would you say to a coach that, you know, maybe that, that, that is happening. You know, ultimately, you got to be you. You got to do a great job for your boss. What does your boss need to be successful? Um, right. I think that's so important as an assistant coach. Um, and ultimately, it's more fun when you have autonomy and you have the ability to um, be a coach, be well rounded. But there, you know, frankly, there there's some there's some head coaches that model their program in a way that the assistants, especially at the college level, assistants go get the players. I coach the team, but um, so early in your career, sometimes that's happened, but. I've been fortunate. My last, you know, I've had several bosses in a row here that have given me freedom to to coach and really in, you know, my current boss now, you know, Coach Caputo, who does an amazing job on the floor. He also wants it to be collaborative. He wants it. He wants the, you know, all everyone's voice to be heard. So that, you know, that's been fun. And I'm fortunate for that because that's, um, you know, I think people need um, in any in any job. And really, and I say job, but it could be a, they need uh, autonomy, they need uh, competency, and they need connection. They need relatedness to to each other. And so for me to be the best coach I can be is 
I need the ability to, you know, have autonomy for, with what I do. I need to feel some level of competence on what I do. And I also need to be connected to like understanding one, not only the people around me, but also connect to the bigger picture of what are we trying to do here at GW? And here at GW, we're trying to get uh, a, a very tr- proud program um, back on the map and, and restore them to, you know, some of the heights with, that they that they experienced for about 25 years, quarter of a century, where they were one of the preeminent mid-major programs on the East Coast. And uh, I feel great connection to that mission. I feel great connection to our staff and the people I do it with while also having the ability um, to really have autonomy on what I do and how, you know, how we go about and do things. You know, the competence piece is, is an interesting one. I'd like you to kind of elaborate a little bit more. Like, how do you receive that? Because, like, you know, as an educator, I feel like that's one piece that we lose a lot of. Like, I feel like they tell us to do our job, but nobody's really saying, hey, man, you guys are doing a great job. They're always yeah, telling yeah. us. And ultimately, I think you you have to have a certain level of confidence to feel good about what you're doing. And so right. I think confidence comes from, you know, dem- you know, Bill Parcells, confidence is born of demonstrated ability. So ultimately, you need to have some level of, hey, I can do this. And um, as someone who, like, is very critical of themselves and, and really, I mean, heck, and I'll even say this to, is, I mean, the fun I had early in my career, not knowing what the heck I was doing, but like, you know, like just getting a chance to go out and do it and work camps and run around. And like, it, like there was a little bit of, as I grew as a coach and I got my reps, I said, Hey, you know, I can do this. I can, I can, uh, you know, I can see, like uh, I can see, and there's, there's always that idea of, Hey, uh, yeah, I want to get better. But ultimately, I think you do need some level of confidence to, in what you do. And that's where having great bosses and, and great bosses coaching you and telling you, hey, you know, you said this. I think we could do this a little bit better. Hey, just looking at you and being like, hey, man, yeah, I thought you did a really nice job with that today. Like, I yeah. thought you guys really understood uh, understood what you were trying to do with the drill. I thought the way you pulled him aside and coached him and got him better, I, I thought that I thought that was really good. Uh, that's where having a great boss really comes helps. Yeah, I think uh, it was pretty cool. We had TJ Ryan from Texas A&M on a, a few That's weeks a back. Job and, and, yeah. And, and what I thought was really neat is the way Coach Williams, you get a job and you're the head coach of that. And coach, yeah. And I think if you're you're saying I'm the head coach of special teams or whatever, they're you know you're you're I'm in charge of the out of bounds plays and out of timeouts and like that's my job. Like yeah. a, obviously you you're given that job because you're competent, but B like now you're taking it super serious. Like that's Absolutely. my job. Like that, this can't go wrong. It, it's I'm not just messing around. It's not, Oh, the head coach is, you know, Oh, he, he's the one draws up all the plays. He does all that stuff. Like this is my job. And I'm, I think it's really cool. And a lot of coaches are, and I'm, it, it sounds like you're kind of in that path where, uh, they're kind of treating their staffs like football. No, in that idea, in that idea of extreme ownership and Jocko Willenick's book uh, mm-hmm. called Extreme Ownership is fantastic, but that's just being extremely accountable to your job and everything that happens within it. That That's a, you know, that's a great book. And, you know, I love how Coach Williams forms that too of head coach. And even like, it's cool because like, I've seen even the chart. It's like some very small thing. It's like head coach oh, yeah. here. Head coach of yeah. synergy accounts, head coach of the gun. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it's really, it, it's really neat how, how he does that. I really like that. You're, I looked at some Kim Palm numbers today and, yeah. um, hope you didn't look at our defensive numbers. 
I, I didn't. I well, <laughs> I'm not going to mention you did, them. You did, but right, we're gonna, uh, we're they gonna, were in my eyesight. We're, we're I don't gonna, know. We're going to get, we're gonna get there. We're 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 we're, we're it's been a, it's been a lot of the work this summer, so uh, we're going to yeah. get there. With it. What's red mean? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so you know, you're but the offense approved immensely as your yeah. staff got there. Can you? Do you have any idea what contributed to that? Um. One, I think having good guards will uh, will uh, make you look like you know what you're doing as a coach. Um, so I, I will say that um, I, I do think um, there's things that we did that helped elevate the play of our two guards, uh, kid James Bishop, who's going to actually back for his uh, you know fourth year here, at GW this this year. Um, and then Brennan Adams, who went from seven points a game to a 17 points a game. Um, and I think some things that uh, Coach Caputo did uh, really heighten that. One is he's got a great way about him. He poured, he's really pours confidence into his players. And, and um, I had a, uh, I, I had a uh, um, strength coach that once said, uh, the three best uh, performance enhancers in sports in order are uh, number well, going descending. He said uh, number three was sleep. Number two uh, was HGH because he says, and this is a, he goes, that stuff really <laughs> does work. And he says, but number one is confidence. That's the, you know, that that's best performance enhancer in all sports. So sleep, uh, get make, you know, uh, HGH, which we'll skip over. And number one, uh, <laughs> number one uh, was uh, confidence. But so coach is really good with that. He's also really good at putting guys in, in what they do best and kind of simplifying what they do. So James Bishop is elite pick and roll player, really good going to his left hand. He put them in as many pick and roll there as possible while also taking brandon adams who again 27 percent from three uh in his career seven points a game and coach says all right you're not playing enough pick and rolls all right it's not just gonna be james bishop and pick and rolls we're gonna play two pick and rolls all right let's be honest ba you're 23 and a half years old you can't dribble with your left hand we're not, like we're not gonna focus on you know that we're going to everything we run is going to be to your right hand. He played more in pick and rolls, everything downhill to his right hand. And then, but he's, you know, it's interesting because he, he kind of accepted the loss on the left hand, but he said, Hey, man, if you're going to have any kind of career in this, you got to be able to shoot. He worked with uh, Brennan Adams, made a slight tweak about where his, uh, where his elbow was and uh, where the ball's connection to the body. Uh, Brennan Adams goes from 27% uh, from three, making, you know, won every other game to being third in the league and three pointers made 37%, um, makes a huge jump and sets himself up. Now he's in Latvia uh, on a really nice first year pro contract. So that's where it would start um, would be, I think uh, some things we did schematically and tactically uh, I think worked, but I think the biggest thing was uh, the work he did with those two guards with understanding uh, the value of confidence, understanding, putting them in position to do what they do best. And then I think also, understanding what Brennan Adams limiting factor was and helping him drive the improvement in that area. Has that idea, has, has that idea of, you know, kind of focus on what they're good at change kind of like your player development. It, it has, and that idea soar with your strengths. I think so many, uh, Jeff and Gundy once said, uh, so many players careers have been lost in trying to be complete players. Then right. the day, man, you gotta, you gotta be great at what you're good at and do it as often as possible. All right. Have you, 
Um, that's not to say don't hey, we're going to work on your weaknesses and we're gonna, there's going to be some idea dream work. There's going to be an idea of, hey, what do you want to get better at? But ultimately, we could have an idea on what do you do best and let's soar with that a little bit. Now, for a high school coach, maybe it's a little bit different. You're, you're encountering these guys a little younger in their career and you want them to expand their game. Um, but, you know, at this level, there should be an idea of, what is this guy going to be great at? What, what, what can he? What? How can he impact winning right now? And let's double down on that kind of stuff. And then offensively, let's put these guys in position to do what they do best. Talk about analytics. Yeah, we used to call that. We used to call those stats, Dean Smith. Yeah, everybody <laughs> loves them stats. Yeah, who? Who? Oh, Dusty May talking about Coach Knight said get seventy five percent of your rebounds. And are there any advanced stats that you guys really look at? that you're an advanced meaning effective field goal percentage or something just a little more than just, you know, made threes or something. I mean, we listen, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be, we're going to f- confront the brutal facts. Uh, you know, that's Jim Collins. Good to great. We're going to confront the brutal facts. We're going to deal and we're going to deal with those numbers. Cause I think those in the best numbers answer the best questions. So, you know, there, you know, all the Ken Palm numbers we're big on, um, you know, for a high school coach uh, that doesn't have access to that, the thing I would I really would recommend is, um, you know, be able to um, at least you could run, be able to evaluate your offense uh, tempo free. So be able to evaluate points per possession and be able to use that formula. Let's see how good I am. Uh, shots attempted uh, plus turnovers minus offensive rebounds plus free throws times 0.47 equals your possession number points divided by that. Uh, possessions that just gives you an idea of how good of all how how effective of a scoring day at night did we have that's independent a little bit of how much pace there was in the you know what the pace was in the game uh i would really you know try to encourage people to use offensive rebound rate and defense rebound rate rather than uh rebounding margin just the ability of what percentage of our misses did we get back what percentage of our misses did we give up i'd encourage high school coaches listening to that those are kind of the low-hanging fruit to that but also I think part of the analytics too is understanding um, being able to examine, and this is why I use that line from Dean Smith of analytics. You know, we used to call those stats. That's Dean Smith, and honestly, Dean Smith was doing points per possession so long ago. Um, my point is, you should be able to look at your system, look at what you want to do, and find some way to chart it and find some way to measure it. So for us, we're you know we're maniacal about a couple things. We're maniacal about. Um, the quality of shots that we get, you know, how good of a shot is that? How, oh, you know, what percentage of our shots were shots that we viewed as shots that were great shots for us. Those are shots that are at the rim. Those are wide open threes, Um, you know, and, and being able to evaluate that stuff and just being able to evaluate it and measure it and be able to look at it over a period of time. That for me is analytics. So to answer your question, I think we're, an, we're very analytically inclined Um, without, with also, not losing sight of the human element of the game. And I think sometimes people get a little bit caught up in that of uh, not under, not understanding kind of the human nature that comes into play as well. Yeah. You can really get lost in a lot of different numbers and, yeah. and, and totally miss a point. Like I, I, one of the, our biggest, we, we, we chart paint touches on offense. Yeah. Like, you know, we, it's a simple one. You know, and no, and that's an analytic and that, right, that's exactly. analytics right there. You know, it doesn't have a fancy name, but that's analytics. Yeah. Exactly. You know, we feel if we get a certain number, we're, we're, we're in a good position to win the game. So that's uh, a, it's a great point. What do you think high school players, when they're taking that next step to the next level, 
What do you think we're maybe we're falling short as high school coaches not developing? Where where are they behind that? Because you know, a lot of coaches are saying they're trying to get older. You know, the high school players may be falling behind in some. You know, I don't know how the A Sun is recruiting, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, you know, where where are we falling short a little bit with our high school players being college ready? I mean, like, so the one thing is is the 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 average high school recruit, the average has never been more skilled. So I mean, heck, someone's right. doing something right, and it's funny because. You know, remember 20 years ago, I was a little chuckling out this other day, 20 years ago when everyone said uh, we couldn't, no one could shoot. Like, right. that was a thing. And now, like, <laughs> now you got Steph Curry. Now you got guys that grew up on, on I like Steph shoot. Curry. And what <laughs> yeah. they can do in the shot making is so absurd. The skill is so absurd. So, like, I'll tell you this, something, something, you, you know, people are doing something right. Um, I think with an under, with understanding that, or right, what's happening? Guys are guys are working out more. Guys are doing more skill instruction. What are they doing less of? Playing, Playing ball. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, I do think there are levels. And Chris Oliver, who runs Basketball Immersion, a great podcast, great website, yeah. and some of the really uh, high school coaches should really spend some time with. Um, he's a great point where he said, "Well, why don't in practice? Why are you doing skill? Why what what like?" Why wouldn't you adjust your practice plan to play more with an understanding they're not playing on their own? It's different. Back in the old days, you needed to drill and skill because they need to get better. Well, because they're all they're doing playing will adjust that. So I do I, honestly. I one. I think high school coaches are doing a heck of a job. Um, honestly, some of the rules that have happened, they have gone down in these states, have stripped them of some power, and AU has played a role in that. But uh, ultimately, I think um, there's something going on that's that's you know that's right. I would say put them in more decision making situations, uh, teach them feel, continue to work on their and what feel to me is the ability to read the game, keep heart, keep developing that um, within whatever you have from a film setup. If it's just throwing an iPad up on the bleachers and tracking that, like do that. And putting a manager, if you have one manager, heck, you can keep score in your head. If that means you have a manager and you can get practice film, there's nothing that can drive your improvement. There's not a clinic. There's not a podcast. There's certainly not a podcast with uh, the bald-headed guy, assistant coach in GW, that will help you more than if you can break down your practice film and have a detailed, concise, um, comprehensive video session. The previous day's practice is nothing in drive improvement more uh, for your team than that. Um, I think all players, uh, you know, the ability to, the ability to shoot, uh, and, and, you know, developing that, the ability to finish around the rim with both hands, the ability to drive the ball to either hand. Those are all things. Those are common things that I see coming up and saying, Hey, if a guy could do that a little bit better, he'd be a better player. Those are three things offensively that come to mind, but they kind of all come after that idea of, uh, developing one's feel and developing one's understanding of the game. And then I would say also then the biggest thing that I think comes into play in the first week of college practice is a high school kid saying, you know, freshman, a college freshman saying, gosh, these guys play hard every possession. Mm. It just, it just, it's not, it, it, unless you're coming from that elite high school program that like mandates it and dictates it by the schedule or because of the culture and because of the, is, just how hard everyone plays every single possession. I think that, yeah. that's a shock at times. I've had kids go on even Division three visits, and they're saying, yeah, everybody – the strength yeah. is one. The strength yeah. is one. And then how 
hard everybody plays is is and, and i know. meant college i didn't mean just division one and no no i know i know i don't I know. have experience at any of those other level at the at d2 d3 level but i agree yeah and and i i mean we it's every possession yeah we try in our programs to do it but in the reality there's there's sometimes there's just better talent. kids that can do it easier yeah, and yeah, talent yeah, yeah. gap well said yeah speaking of so what is the balance between talent and culture in your your opinion? Um, double click on that. Let me just go on, just explore that a little bit in terms of that question. So, you know, I, I talk I I came up with a term with my good friend who was a baseball coach. We called it the shit meter. And <laughs> so there's a level I think of... I had that in the septic tank behind my parents' house, but go on <laughs> in Maine. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying usually when you have the culture it 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 the talent ends up coming towards the culture and those things is what what bill belichick says talents the floor cultures the ceiling yeah you know just talking about like how you would deal in a in a situation where the more talented kid is maybe getting out of line uh versus your culture that's kind of how i'm kind of curious about your thoughts on that yeah, and Belichick's points are really good. When ultimately, I do think you cut a coach open. Listen, you need a certain there. There's a certain threshold of talent. There's a certain threshold of in order to win a championship, you need a certain level of talent. Now, ultimately, I don't just like the, you can only get so far. And and I'll go back and you kind of you know answer the question in a way that I or I should say Belichick answered the question in a way that I I ever could. But ultimately. In order to win championships, you got to have that threshold at where you're good enough, you're talented enough with that right culture. And really, where championships are won are when you can marry those two. And you know, Bill Bill Walsh, you know, uh, positive culture precedes positive. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, positive culture precedes positive results. A good culture isn't tacked on on the way to the victory stand. You behave like champions before you're crowned champions. Bill Walsh, uh, score takes care of itself. If you haven't read it, again, hey, stop listening to podcasts. Start, you know, go to <laughs> go to your local books or you know, buy it. So that's you know, Bill Walsh, and ultimately, you need to behave like champions before you try to win championships or before you win championships. And so that's you know, for me, you know that. That's where it would start, but again, you do need. I don't want to be the guy. You do, like, you do need some level of threshold because that kind of sets that floor a little bit of what you're going to achieve. And and so that's where ultimately, too, the barometer can't be championships. Like, listen, for you, every time, every year, you look at your team. There's a ceiling that you want to get to. And, and Josh Shirts, who I work for at Indiana State, would talk about this often. Of like, whatever that ceiling is, my goal as a coach is try to drive them to that ceiling. And then by the end of the year, get them playing as consistently to that standard as possible. In some years, guys, I hate to, like paid to bring it. Sometimes that ceiling ain't a championship. So you gotta you gotta understand that. You gotta say, hey, how high, how how high can I take these guys? And then can I can I get them playing at a to that standard as consistent as possible? And culture is a big, big part of that. And also ultimate culture is, hey, what is the way we do things around here? And it's unspoken. Yeah. Well what said. was that like at what was that like at Army? You know, because cool. there's an established <laughs> culture, I obviously. Mean, and the coolest thing about Army is you sit there and you look to your left, that dude's chasing excellence. You look to your right, that dude's right. chasing excellence. It's just ambition. It's just like freaking guys that are choosing the harder right over the easier wrong every single second of their lives. 
It's right. so cool. So that was special. Um, that was, you know, the most is a professional highlight of my life, spending five years at uh you know Army West Point, just with a place that breeds the best of the best. Um, just the interaction you'd have with people, not even just the students, but the 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 faculty there, the you know, and, and how driven those people were. Um, our guys didn't barter, you know, the price was set and boom, they were gonna do it every time. They were gonna just take coaching and and they allowed you to coach them. And what you saw, what you taught was showing up on tape because of the trust they had in, in you and the trust they had in, in, in you know, in, um, leadership. And so just really, really cool. Uh, unbelievable five years, unbelievable five years. What a special place, man. What special kids, what special people. And ultimately it all comes down to the people too. It comes down and you win with people in yeah. army, you know, at army West point, you win with people throughout across the board. Imagine if like a, like a high school took that mentality of like, Instead of just the basketball culture, the football, like we're a whole, this is our whole school, <laughs> our whole school, the whole entity's got the same idea, the same mindset. We're all, you know, on the same page, you know, how better we could be. That, that's that got to be an awesome experience. So, Were you there with, I tried to figure it out. Were you there with both Coach Spiker and Coach Allen? No, I, I took, I, I got there as an assistant right after uh, Zach Spiker left. But, you know, Jimmy had worked for Jimmy Allen, had worked for Spiker. And so, uh, you know, he had moved over as the head coach. And so I spent five years there and and it's a hard, it's a hard place to win. I mean, I understand there that program's looking for the first NCAA tournament berth. And uh, two pretty good guys have tried to get them there. And both uns were unsuccessful. One's Bob Knight, one's Coach K. Um, so two might have heard good of ones. It's, a, it's, a, it's a tough job, but they, again, it is a professional highlight of my life about being able to coach those guys. And like I said, I was on the phone last night with one of my one of my one of my former point guards. Uh, you know, it's just a special place. It really is. Yeah, Coach Allen came down, and and what was the other guy's name? Brandon. Brandon. Yeah, yep. they came down to look at one of my guys who ended up going to Air Force for a prep school year and a regular season and the yeah. coaching change and yeah. then to Wilmington with one of the assistants and that kind of stuff. So it was pretty cool. Coach Allen was awesome. I, I, yeah. I enjoyed having him around. So you mentioned it earlier and we've heard it from a few college coaches we've listened to. You talked about your, your player and, and you actually said he's actually back. Um, you yeah. made that mention because in basketball's ever changing shifting foundation you have to say that cuz you know yeah. i've i have a friend that was at UTSA and he said 10 out of the 13 kids put their name in the portal you know and it's and and it's not like you're doing no one's doing anything wrong it's just the vogue thing to do how would you say you or the GW program or when you were at Indiana state how have you adjusted or changed your approach in this ever changing world we're in I mean, I don't think it changes in terms of how you coach guys because ultimately um, relationship building isn't being friendly and and patting a guy, you know, putting a guy around a guy. Now, listen, you need to have a relationship with them, but ultimately the relationship is, can this guy make me better? 
Is this guy helping me be better? And so ultimately, it hasn't changed how I deal with guys. Ultimately, who you are, some of your humanity needs to come out in your coaching. Who you are as a person needs to come out in your coaching. And you need to have the you need to demonstrate to them the ability, hey, here's your growth plan. Here's where you're at in that track. And here's how we can make you better. So it hasn't changed anything in that regard. It certainly has changed the nature of recruiting because you know, ultimately, um, it's become the number one avenue to, or it's become, I shouldn't say number one, because that's still to be seen. It's a certain, it's a huge avenue to, um, to, you know, amass talent and build the, build your team. And, and so you have to, you have to obviously have to keep an eye on that. Certainly as an assistant coach, uh, you have to do that, but you need to re-recruit your players and not in a way of trying to convince them to stay, but in terms of way of making sure you're doing right by them, making sure you're, you're developing them, making sure you're providing a good experience, making sure you're building a culture the right way that, you know, but also that's stuff that, you know, you should be doing regardless of transportal or not. Do you guys split that up as a staff? Like, do you, do you split your, your roster up or do you? Yeah, we do. It's something, it's something that I really, I really believe in there. You know, you just, you have a, you know, you have a certain number of guys that you're watching film with every single day. And uh, I I believe so strongly in the power of film. And, uh, you know, so every day I'm sitting there and uh, as I watch practice, I really love it. And having sports code and I message on my computer, I believe in, you know, something I've really fallen in love with is a, one clip edits. And what I'll do is I'll just be watching a play. What I'll do is I'll just save that quickly to my computer and I'll send that to them on iMessage. And oftentimes it'll be something I, sometimes I'll just do a question mark. Sometimes I'll write thoughts or um, sometimes I'll say, Hey, what did you see here? And it's funny, the collaboration that happens in that text messaging is so powerful. It's the collaboration that you all want. And I kind of stumbled into it, but those are the best coaching conversations. Frankly, that's the best relationship building we can have because, you know, Bill Belichick uh, says, uh, you know, he leads through competency. He leads through that. So my, you know, like I'm I'm a little quirky now. So like, and the heck, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 35 and some of my, you know, some of my colleagues are even older, but like, like. The best way for me to build a relationship with a kid isn't necessarily going out and grabbing, you know, steak tacos with them. It's going to be, you know, hey, let me lead through, let me build relationship, build through competency. Hey, watch this clip. And all of a sudden he knows, he he knows I'm invested in it. He, he sees a text from me at 1130 at night and I'm saying, hey, you know, you think this is the right read on this pick and roll or what did you see in this pick and roll? And all of a sudden he knows, hey, ZB wants me to do, wants me to do well. And so I believe in that. And then, uh, but also the guys, yes, we do, we, you know, so I'll do that for our entire roster, but every day we, we segment that I have four guys where I'll, uh, I'll, as I watch film, I'm, I'm, I'm clipping their stuff up and on what I'll do is I'll watch film with them the next day, but that night I'll actually send them the clips. And I always say, Hey, I want you to watch these clips because it's really important that you start to think and conceptualize some thoughts of your own on these matter. Um, and then, you know, you arrive at the film session, not just as passive participant, but as an active participant where you're saying, yeah, I watched this clip. This is what I think. And those are the, those are the best ones. And you got to ask questions. You got to ask yeah. some questions. You got to have really good pause points and really good questions. They're both in an individual session and in a team film session. Yeah. I love the idea of just sending a clip and just saying thoughts like, well, yeah. what do you, I mean, nothing, there's no questions. Just what, what are you thinking here? I love, I love that. Do you guys, uh, as as assistant coaches and your staff, how do you guys handle the NIL? Is, it, is that strictly on the head coach, or you guys are also 
hitting the streets and talking to businesses. How's that work for you? Guys? That's more, it's more handled uh, upstairs. I should say above my pay grade, but right. they, you know, obviously you have some role in it and it, Hey, it's the factor. It's the nature of the, it's the nature of the business right now. The game yeah. has changed with that. You know what? It's a good thing that guys are, uh, are, have found a way to uh, benefit monetarily through, uh, through participation. So um, I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, we had Dusty on here and he pretty much said, he probably spends just as much time on the NIL as, yeah. as he does now coaching. So it's, it's uh, quite a Did he quite share the story? Did he share the story of what his uh of what his kid said uh, in the locker room? No, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, it's, you know, basically they're you know, they had this heck of a run and the final four, and one kid says, Hey, we're not gonna let money screw this up. Yeah. Think how powerful that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think of how powerful it is. he says that to his teammates of being like Hey, we can do whatever, but we're not going to let many let money screw up the powerful nature, the powerful um, spirit that's in this room right now. It's so yeah. cool, so yeah. special. Yeah. He actually he didn't mention that, but he did talk about like if these guys took a risk to come back here, I can't, I I'm not going to go somewhere else and leave them behind. That was kind of. He mentioned yeah. something along those lines, so yeah. must have gotten it from the player. What a what he, a special special run, man! Uh huh. Really oh cool yeah. To watch. So you talked about player groups. What about scouting? How how y'all handle scouting? Um, scouting is uh, it's a uh, it's about that season. Um, Chris, uh, for a number of years, had a uh, you know, had a huge role in in the scouting at Miami. And uh, he believes strongly in the power of uh, power of one voice, presenting the information uh, consistently to the players. The players have uh, come to see uniformity with what is uh, what is presented. And uh, when he brought me on board, he warned me, said, hey, uh, I think, uh, you know, just analyzing your skill set, you're going to be that guy. So long story short, um, not a lot of sleep is had. (laughs) <laughs> uh, in the months of uh, November through March, and uh, a lot of coffee is uh, is um, injected into my veins. So um, I got a great group helping me out, and our whole coaching staff plays you know plays a role in it. Um, but it is a uh, it's a little different than anything I've anything I've experienced. And like for shirts, I was just focused on the other team's defense and scouting that. But uh, it's fun here because uh, now we have a great group who kind of everyone plays their role a little bit. But ultimately, uh, it's aggressive because I'm sitting there. We're sitting there, ready to play UMass on a Wednesday night, and uh, I got to I got to detox for an hour before the game because I've been sitting there watching all LaSalle stuff because we play them the next. You know, we play them on right. Saturday, and, and basically, I had to make sure my reports on coach's desk. And so, uh, by the time we we get ready to tip off against UMass, I'm like, all right, move the LaSalle stuff. You can get to it in two hours. Right now, let's focus on beating the Minutemen. Crazy how. <laughs> you're thinking so far ahead and you gotta you forget the now <laughs> yeah it's, hey, it's, hey, be, hey it beats working for a living so uh, no no doubt no doubt um my wife is the media specialist at, at my school so and you've already kind of mentioned some books w- what are some go-to reads right now for you that you could suggest for a coach right now Ah, oh, man. All right. Uh, I'm trying not to mention too many. Uh, Team of Teams by Stanley McChrystal is great. His concept of the gardener versus the chess uh, play, versus chess master is one of the best descriptions of uh, what a coach should uh, should be. 
Um, score takes care of itself by Bill Walsh. I already mentioned. Um, I'm just trying to think of the best ones. Obstacle is the way by Ryan Holiday is fantastic. Uh, Education of a coach by Bill Belichick's uh, terrific. Uh, Bill Parcells book, which I'm drawing a blank of finding a way to win is, is awesome. I love football. I love football uh, coaches. My life on a napkin by, by Majerus is terrific. Good to great by Jim Collins. I mentioned that earlier. That's awesome. Um, Legacy about all blacks. Uh, what are some of my other favorites? Um, setting the table, um, unbelievable leadership book, uh, mindset by Carol Dweck, uh, think like a rocket scientist, Moneyball. Um, um, those are some of the, those are, I could go all day here. I'm, I'm, I love I'm, it. I'm, I love I'm, it, man. I, I, I'm an English major and a nerd. So uh, I don't know. That, that's enough to get you started at least. There's a stack on Twitter that uh, you had posted recently. So yeah, about an- analytics. Absolutely. But uh, yeah. trying to think of any favorites I missed there. If I were to say one, it's score takes care of itself. Uh, I'll tell you as a high school coach, you haven't read that. Go read that. Uh, season of life for a high school coach too by Joe Ehrman would be a great read for, especially for a high school coach about the, what you're doing and the role you're playing for these young men, for these, in his term, young boys and helping them progress to be men is, is an important one and helping them with some of those things that, you know, they need help with. That's fantastic. That's season of life by Joe Ehrman. Or did, did Joe Ehrman, it was about Joe Ehrman, right? Yeah, so maybe it's written about by Joe or maybe it's about Pat Conroy, by, maybe. Um, Inside Out Coaching was Joe Ehrman, but I'm not, right, so, not to correct. Yeah, but, no, I think no, but the uh, season of life right. was good. I have that season one, of I'm life sorry. was by Jeffrey Marks about Joe Ehrman. You're right. Is Gilman School here up up here in yeah. Baltimore? But you're yeah. right. Season of Life by Jeffrey Marks, fantastic yeah. book. About Very Joe good. Ehrman. The one I like a lot that I always refer to and I share with people is uh, Swin Nader wrote one about John Wooden. It was yeah. called. Uh, You've only. You haven't taught until you they've learned, or learned. Yeah. they haven't learned unless you taught something like that. Yeah. So that was a really, <laughs> really good one. But, um, so you talked about. <laughs> I love the scouting thing. I feel like you talk about being a learner, and I know your head spinning, but doing the scouts and you're just you're learning so much stuff just <laughs> scouting. I mean, I I, uh, I reflect too, on man. my you days learn so much. I always tell I always tell people too of like. It, within your league, like try to be a hog on the great coaches in your league. Cause like, I mean, I was at UMaine and like, you know, John, Be- like scouting John Becker's Vermont teams. Oh man, did I learn a ton about penetration concept, post up play, you know, oh, so much. So it was awesome. So what, what does your day to day look like? I know you got different times of, of the season and out of season, but what would you say you're now in season? What, what's your day to day look like? You know, it's, you know, we like, Chris has a really clear Chris Caputo, our head coach, has a really clear understanding that um, in order to be the best team in March, we got to. It's not going to be a new play that does it. It's going to be. It's not going to be a better play. It's going to be better players that do it. So um, we take every we take time every single day to work with our players in their individual games, and that starts early in the morning, uh, eight o'clock with with you know three or four guys in the gym, three or four more coming in at 30, three or four more coming in at nine, spending time doing that away from practice because 
you know, a, a full team practice is sometimes a terrible setting in which to get skill work and shooting in. So we'll spend time outside of practice with them one-on-one or, you know, we have the, we have the tremendous advantage that maybe you don't of uh, having so many bodies around that we can give them game-like reps where they're making decisions and executing the skill. So um, we get the, we get, we do that early in the mornings and then, you know, it, it begins. We'll meet as a staff, talk about practice. We'll, uh, you know, I'll prepare my clips, anything we need to show, roll into practice around 1215. And then, you know, uh, you know, I, I there's several co- cups of coffee sprinkled in there, uh, you know, uh, as you go. But find a way to get some physical exercise in, find a way to sweat yourself, um, watch film with players, what, you know, and, and just kind of work your way through that way. Well, finding some ability to turn it off a little bit and be able to kind of decompress and get and get away because you know as the season goes it's harder and harder to do that but you know that kind of gives a little bit idea of, of kind of what we do we we'll try to work in 30 minutes of reading in there as well um and that gives again gives me a chance to decompress a bit what, what's your next steps you know, you've you've kind of you've played the assistant game here are, are you are you content with that or are you looking i, I, you know, I am i i am listen I, I work for a great boss in one of the greatest yeah. cities in the world um in, in a program and a league i mean i was a manager in this league and when i was sitting there as a 18 year old pimply faced <laughs> uh braces you know doing laundry i i remember looking up being like all i wanted to do was be a uh, be an assistant coach and, and I'm, I'm in this league and I'm assistant coach in this league. So I'm not in any rush, man. I, I'm, I, I'm, this is a test for best. It's not a race for first. So yeah. I'm not trying to be, I'm not in any rush. I want to be the best coach I can to these guys. I want to help Chris Caputo build a winner here at GW. And like I said, uh, when a program was once, uh, you know, one of the great mid majors on the East coast. So I'm not in any rush to do that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm truly, I don't mean, I know it sounds corny, but I've never worked a day in my life. I absolutely love what I do. Um, and I can keep doing this. I'm not in any rush to be a head coach at some point. Yes. Do I have a desire to do that? Yes. Um, but you know, I'm not in a rush to do it. Um, and you know, I, I have, a, you know, I have a clear understanding of that. And, uh, um, you know, I, I I absolutely love what I do, and I love the guys I work with, and I love the players I work with. So, yeah, we had a, we had the opportunity to have Stan Jones on, and, and Stan's done a yeah. done a pretty great job, just yeah. you know, be, being that guy, and uh, yeah. he's 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 happy. He's on get out. So, and one one thing that's cool too is with the rule with the rules the NCAA has put in for assistant coaches, and basically allowing two more coaches on the floor. Right, it's created more opportunities for guys that maybe. That, that could live that San Jones life a little bit because frankly, recruiting is so, so important at the college level that it was really San Jones was an exception that Leonard Hamilton basically was okay. Having a guy where, you know, just really help him coach the team, but it's become more of a reality. And it's really neat for a guy like me because that's a dream of mine is right. to be, you know, a, you know, and San Jones is a guy that I look up to. I really do. Yeah. It's uh, it, and, and I'll be honest, like, that's pretty much why I got out of the business. I just, the, well, the recruiting well, me, part yeah, was. Let me tell you, let me tell you a great story. Let me tell you a great story. If you don't mind. Um, I was a seventh what grade. Was I in, I was in six or no, it might've been sixth or seventh grade uh, growing up in Portland, Maine. And my local high school that was right across the street from me had two really good players. And uh, one of the guys was a, was a sophomore or junior at the time was a guy by Nick Caner medley. He went on to play at university of Maryland. And 
one time I'm at I'm at a game because I used to I never missed a game of theirs. They're a really good team. And uh all of a sudden I see someone wearing a UMass polo, UMass basketball polo. I walk up to him and I introduce myself and I'm like, hey, you guys, and I was I'm I'm telling you right now, you should see, I was the biggest nerd in the world, sports <laughs> nerd in the world. I watched, and it was funny because Atlantic 10 had a package. I'd watch two Atlantic, there were two Atlantic 10 games every Sunday, and I'd watch them all the time. I I, I watched George Washington all the time. And I remember at the time, it's funny, for, UMass was getting ready to play Fordham. And I was like, hey, man, you got to, you know, you got to stop Yvonne Robin and Jason Harris. And I remember, so it's <laughs> Chucky Martin, who's now an assistant at Kentucky, um, but he was a young assistant at UMass. And he's like, how do you know who Jason Harris is? He's like, that's my scout. Like, what do you like? And I said, man, you gotta, you gotta watch over Jason Harris. And he's like laughing. And like, he's with uh, one of their other coaches and he's like, man, like what's your deal? He's like, and I just like, I love ball and whatever. And I was like, you hear seeing Nick. And he said, I am, what do you think he's good enough? I said, I do. And I was like, I'd gone to camp. So I knew all about him. And he's like, all right, he goes, and he gives me his card. And he says, Hey man, here's my card. Give this to your dad. If you guys ever want to come down to a game, have your dad call me, and it's his old card, no cell phone, but you know, goes. Have your dad call me, and I'll I'll leave you guys tickets. So I go home, and I'm so excited. UMass said Cal had just left, so Bruiser Flint was the head coach, and so I go home, and I like I, I you know I'm like saying to my mom, I was like, hey, we got to we got to call. He said we can get tickets, and so we look at the schedule, and uh, and it's funny, I I never would do it now, but I just didn't know any better. Well, they got Temple playing a, a noon on on a Saturday. And like it's funny because Temple UMass Dick Vitale was in town. It was on ESPN. It was the toughest ticket, but of course that's the game I asked. I was like, I'd love to go to that game. So my mom calls, and she's like, Hey, Chucky, is this like true? My son gave me a like my. And he's like, Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Like you know whatever you need. And he's like, What game are you looking for? And he's like, My mom's like, Uh, Temple. He's like, Ee. <laughs> but he made it work. He made it work. So my dad and I, he gave us great seats. I go down and I I just remember being there. And I must have been sixth grade at the time. I remember like sitting on court side and watching Chucky Martin run through warm-ups and like run through the run through the place of warm-ups. I literally was like, I remember it being like, I want to do that. So for me, like, and again, that what league was this in? This league was in the Land 10. That's where I am now. So I remember awesome. sitting as a six, as sixth grader saying, I want to do that. Now the story gets a little better. So fast forward, I end up going on this path. I'm working for Tim Clues at Iona, and Iona is in the Mac. One of the schools in the Mac is Marist. Who's the head coach of Marist? Chucky Martin. So one day I'm out recruiting. I'm at Bishop Lachlan High School. It's Bishop Lachlan versus. Let me think. It was Bishop Lachlan. Uh gym on the fourth floor. It's awesome. They got the best, uh, they got the best dance team. They stomp it. You can hear it. There. So <laughs> I'm there and Chucky Martin's there. And we had gotten a chance to know each other just a little bit. And uh I go up to him. Um I go up to him at halftime and I say, Hey, uh, coach, uh I don't know if you remember this, but uh my uh and I, I was intentional with what how I did it. I said, Hey, my buddy um told me a story. And I, I kind of told him the story of, hey, you uh, you gave him ticket. You know, he met you at a Deering High. You gave him tickets. He went, you know, he saw you and da da da. And so he's like, oh man, did he? I really? He's like, that's so cool. And he's like, I vaguely remember. I vaguely remember it. He said, uh, and I did. I was intentional. I said, my friend. And he said, well, what, what's your buddy doing now? And uh, Chucky has said, this is the coolest 
experience he's ever had in coaching. Chucky's coached the national title games. And I said to him, I said, uh, Chuck, I kind of lied. There's one part of that story I left out. I said, that was me. And I'm telling you right now, like his eyes teared up. And whenever I see him on the road, you know, and I've gone out when he was at Indiana, I went and visited him. And like, he's like, like, he's like, I can't tell you how often I think of that story. And so my point to, and it goes back to even maybe a little bit of what I said about the high school coaches, you never know the impact you have on people. And so for me, like that day and like the kindness of a stranger was like put me on this path to what I want to do. And I still remember Chucky's face and Bishop walk on that day when I was like, Chucky, that, that was me that you did that for. And like, he just tied tears welled up. He's like, I, like, yeah, cause you don't know, you don't know the stuff you do. So that's kind of what set that forward. And this is what I want to do. And uh, I, I've loved every second of it the whole time. So I want to share that a little bit because I think it might answer a little bit of that question or answer a little bit of how am I wired? That's a pretty good a- explanation of it. That's an incredible, incredible story. And that's, that's what our, that's what we've been so excited about and not so much shocked, but maybe I guess the word shocked of the amount that people have been willing to share. And it's funny, you mentioned this, we, uh, uh, there, I now have a main connection through one of my assistants. Um, he played at Dartman. He's a lawyer. His name is Greg, Greg Frame. But he knows yeah. you. He knows you. And he's hooked me up with Mike Maker and, yeah. and Jay Tilton. Yeah. So we're going to have them on fairly oh, soon. Awesome. Oh, and, Mike Maker is such a good coach. So Greg yeah. Frame, I know through Colby Basketball. I don't actually know him. We know of each other. But mm-hmm. Pine Tree Basketball Camp, it's how cool that culture is. And you know, uh, I I was a part of Pine Tree Basketball Camp for 14 straight years, either as a player, counselor, as a coach. And uh, Dick Whitmore, um, who was just an unbelievable coach, Division three coach up there in, at Colby College in Maine, played such a role in who I am. He was the guy that first told me uh, to start the notebooks. And so that place had a huge role in who I am today and the kind of coach I am. Yep. He, he actually sent me a lot of that stuff today. And then he introduced me to Dave McLaughlin. So it's really just amazing to us how people want to share and are willing to share, especially, I mean, you mentioned it, you're you and I mean, all of us are super busy and, and got a much going on, but I want to, we're going to let you go, but I'm going to ask you one more question. Um, Cause I think you're going to have terrific insight in this. Yeah. Uh, um, what bothers you most right now in basketball, whether it's high school, college pro, European, what, what just, is there something that really just bothers you? What bothers me? Um, I wish I want to come up with the best answer I can. Um, it's it's our version of start sub or sit. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, I would say with the money that's flooded into the game and I'm not complaining about that as you know, sitting, you know, with a nice apartment, uh, in one of the greatest cities in the world, but um, there's become a very transactional nature to a lot of it. Um, it's transactional all across the board. Coaches, the players, coaches, the coaches, AU coaches, the high school coaches, high school coaches. Like there's a transactional nature that's happened because of the money that's that's at stake. And you know, I'm probably being uh, utopian, but man, I'd love it um, if it weren't quite so transactional. 
you know that that's that that's that and then refs not being able to call travels and i just know what travel is so i would well say those, those are those are the two things that bother me so, should have led with that one it was, uh, it was funny because we led film today we led film today because a couple of our players were griping because we had gas doing their best refing but all refs stink and they certainly stink our gas but uh they've been griping a little bit about some travel calls and i said just for the record i showed a police uh, a, a photo of a police car on the on the screen i said guys you were complaining that we called four travels the other day i said guys we missed seven of them i mean these guys stink just like our refs stink they're like <laughs> we, like what are you guys talking about travel police is out today guys we're coming to get you like you you traveled on a catch you traveled on a catch you traveled on the on a pickup and on a pickup you traveled on two catches i was like you guys are crazy you guys are traveling all over the place so no one knows how to call travels no, there's a social media accounts solely to <laughs> doing the most absurd moves to say yeah. it's not a travel. It's so, I mean, it's so. <laughs> it's out of hand. Hey, it's, like awesome, of those, it's, that, it's like that famous quote of uh, if it looks like a travel to travel. Right. If it looks like leader. I don't, I don't know what the definition of leadership. Uh, uh, there's there's several versions I'll, I'll do with the PG one. I don't know what the definition of leadership is. I just know when I see it. I don't know. What, refs are basically what looks like a travel is a travel. So yeah. I don't yeah. know. I tell my guys all the time. Yeah. yeah, put the clip up of at Shawshank Redemption when <laughs> everyone's innocent, right? And yeah, so, like, exactly. yeah, no one traveled. No one travels. Yeah. Everyone's innocent. So, Tim Clues, who I worked for at Iona, would always, whenever you thought a ref made a bad traveling call, you always say, we work on not traveling every day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, this has been awesome, man. You are such a wealth of knowledge. My notes are off the charts here. Uh, I, I, I didn't get, I didn't line it up Cornell style, but I do. I'll, <laughs> I'll go back and do it that way because um, I, I do. They have taught us that as teachers to use that, and um, I just Highly I haven't done it. it. I haven't done it, so I just write on everything, and it's all all over the place so well the best really is whenever anyone will borrow a book from my bookshelf i always be like you can borrow it just understand i write all over that thing including like my grocery list on like page like you know so you might <laughs> get to page like 18 and be like call the call high school coach you know and so uh i said you can do it but there's all kinds of scribbles on that thing awesome well coach thank you so much of and course, uh, good luck this season we'll be avid fans I appreciate you guys doing it. I really do. Thanks, man. Awesome. Good night.